Hey everybody, this is Noah. Thanks for downloading episode 5 of Channel Massive. We are going to have a fun show tonight, talk, going a little bit off the beaten path. We're going to be talking about E3, and then back on the regular beaten path, we will be talking about multiboxing, that whole thing where somebody gets four or five computers set up at once and plays four or five accounts at once for a massively multiplayer game. We'll also be talking about the rise and fall of user accounts on various massively multiplayer games and whether that actually foretells any type of impending doom or impending ride to the top. And we'll also be talking about some cool stuff going on at City of Heroes and whether or not it's all part of a big marketing scheme or if it's, you know, something that's kind of neat and something that we hope to see in other places. Before all of that, however, there's a couple things to share with you. First of all, we are Jasonless tonight. Oh, it's very sad. <laughs> <laughs> Real life and Jason have collided. Yes, into a, a cataclysm from which he will not be appearing just tonight, though. Right, he will rise like a phoenix for the <laughs> next episode. Exactly. And before we get into the other things that I mentioned earlier... Mark's going to start us off with an overall update about the website and the show and where we're going. So take it away. Thanks, Noah. So we've kind of started this in a backwards way uh, as far as the um, podcasting community seems to be working out in some ways. Um, <laughs> it seems like a lot of people start out with a blog and then yeah. they realize that, well, it's time to go you know, more multimedia so they'll maybe enhance their website with all kinds of bells and whistles and then they'll go wow I, I need to really cross over to this podcast kind of thing and yeah get the message out and instead we started with the podcast with no website and no <laughs> blogging <laughs> and we've been working on the podcasting side of it and now uh, i just wanted to mention that our website's been uh getting some long needed attention and um We've got um, our we've got some blogs showing up there. We've got some people actually coming to our site, which is exciting. Thank you. Thank you all. Thank we you so much. We have the um, ever exciting Age of Conan release meter installed. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we have got the bells and whistles. We have now. some bells and whistles. Highfalutin um, technology. Noah is in the process of um, kind of giving us a really professional-looking website, which we're going to. We've got the a heavy foundation established i think yeah. i think we're gonna kind of tweak it and fine-tune it and yeah get that going with you know the continued functionality that we have um and i'm working on trying to put some thoughts down as far as blogging for the first time um and get some get some things out there for people to think about and bat around and yeah it's an interesting transition isn't it to go it, from the spoken word to the written word it is very difficult for me um <laughs> because when i write i try to write I guess my style is just a little weird, even for me. So I'm, I'm. I think it tends to be rather epic. <laughs> is that what it <laughs> when you're excited about something or you're interested, you invest yourself and you get a nice uh, big piece of writing. I, I yeah, I always mean to. I always think, well, this will be about a paragraph or so, and then like you know, three hours later, as I've proofread it for the fifteenth time, and 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 gone crazy trying to decide <laughs> if I should have comma spliced or not. <laughs> I pull my head out and go, wow, that was uh, that was not quite 
what I intended, but we'll stick with it, you know, so. Yeah, I remember. That's actually how this whole show started. You kept talking about how you were going to write us a couple paragraphs. Yeah, that's With right. some ideas. I forgot what the word that you called it. It was like a missive or a... Oh, yeah, it was my... Um, manifesto or... My manifesto. Yeah, was... you were calling it a manifesto, which sounded pretty epic, but then you're like, it's not going to be very long. And yeah. You sent out this in-depth analysis of all these other podcasts <laughs> and all these positives and negatives and do's and don'ts it was like five printed pages yes and 10 and, pixel yeah i thought it i thought it would be two paragraphs and it did actually turn into <laughs> uh something a little bigger a manifesto actually and that no no one will ever know what the podcast we we strive to not emulate are or strive to emulate or strive to emulate there are good ones but out you there might be able really to like. tell you know as yeah you listen to us um hopefully um, but yeah, so the website's been getting some long-needed attention. Um, in addition, I got off my butt and edited all of the podcasts that we had stored up and got those out. <laughs> Our time capsule. Our t- yeah, it was a time <laughs> capsule. I you know it was most of it was from May and and June. Yeah. But um, still, it needed to get out there to the to the masses, so to speak. And, and it's, it's a big huzzah for that. That's awesome. Yeah. So that's been cool. Um, and now I think the next logical step is to work on our production level so we've totally rebuilt our digital audio workstation which we're using for the first time tonight so yes if this one is actually somewhat quiet and you can't hear the (laughs) sound all the time uh then we will have been a success Uh, and hopefully if we're lucky they won't hear the sounds of cats or firecrackers or dogs or babies or Yeah, that would or my telephone yeah. um, going off in the middle of the. <laughs> That's of part the of our ambient real world background yes. sounds. Yes, um, that is a special track I've put together. <laughs> from some Maybe of our... we'll record it to CD and sell it. Yeah, I think I think <laughs> as it's, a fundraiser, it's good, good background noise. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I just kind of wanted to you know just talk about that just for a little bit and just say hey yeah. we we know there are some deficiencies in this um, presentation and we're working on them and. Um, I think once we get the obvious issues with production cleaned up, then we can focus fully on the content and try to bring you better stories and better roundtable discussions. and A more well-rounded experience. It's That's right. I mean, I think that's the last for the big ma- deliverable. For the massive members. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, I wonder which parts Mark will edit and which parts Mark will leave in. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm going to leave it all in. Um, yeah, I think so. The only thing that's a possible problem is my newfound addiction to uh, Marvel Universe. Uh, or Mo- Marvel Ultimate Alliance, I mean. Uh, <laughs> unfortunately, that, that could pose a problem if, if I don't quickly make it through the rest of it. <laughs> But anyway, yes, we live lives with limited windows with which to play games. Yeah. And uh, sometimes just to get things refreshed or to get our zest back for games like, wow, it's nice to take a little side or a little detour oh, yeah. through console land. Yeah, because the consoles are, are great. You know, mm-hmm. they they really take a whole game experience and package it up for you into a few hours. Whereas with a MMO, it's you're encouraged to spread it out for... A big part of your lifetime. Yeah, that's and, exactly the word I would use to And if you're it. not sure about that, just type slash played sometime or the equivalent in whichever MMO you prefer and prepare to be horrified as you realize <laughs> how much of your time uh, you have uh, squandered on a on You know, a I game. didn't know there, there's actually a timer in the game. It's horrifying. Yeah. Wow. Yes, What's it, your, your time played standing I, up? I don't know because <laughs> I've been trying to avoid it. 
too self-conscious to check it out. Huh? The scary thing is not so much when you look at it. It's when you start to break it into like years. So say you've been playing one game for a year. Yeah. If you take your all played time, you know, all characters for that year and you look at it and you realize like, oh my God, I, you know, for every week that went by one full day was in game or something like that. That's when the, that's when the uh, HP Lovecraft style horror sets in <laughs> and the icy fingers of dread clutch you. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, without further ado, I think we're going to move on to our other segments. Um, for those of you who haven't done it, I encourage you to visit our website, www.channelmassive.com, and check us out. Um, and if know. you'd like to write us, you can write us at, is it mail? At mail channelmassive. at channelmassive.com. Yeah. M-A-I-L. <laughs> yes, <laughs> not M-A-L-E, although we might just have to create a, uh, uh, <laughs> might have to create a, a, a alias for that just in case. <laughs> <laughs> you never know. I mean, you got people listening. <laughs> yeah. There's there's they're in there's a, hurry. a chance they're for not spelling thinking. errors. Yeah. Mail. <laughs> Your spell checker has decided. Did Sounds you mean? Like... <laughs> did you mean mail? <laughs> yeah. Uh, we'll have to do a female one as well, just to be safe. But, <laughs> yes. Uh, but without, female us at. <laughs> yes. Because you just never know. Uh, but without further ado, I think we'll move on. Alrighty. All right. So first up. We're going to talk about E3 2007. Now, as probably a lot of you know, if you're if you've been gaming for any long period of time, E3 is a is an annual convention wherein pretty much all of the major video game and PC game developers, either of software or of hardware, get together and they show off all of the stuff that they're going to be selling. For the upcoming holiday season and it's really the primary focus sometimes there's more forward-looking stuff where they'll show you stuff that's not due for a year or two right but most of the time it's it's that and as you all probably also know it was dramatically scaled down this year it was scaled back from about anywhere from 60 to 70 thousand attendees in the previous shows to a mere select elite 4500 and I the don't forty five hundred. Yes, <laughs> that's my that's my rough estimate. I don't know what the actual <laughs> figures are, but even to get in, it's this strange political process where, <clears throat> pardon me, it's a process where I believe software developers or or people who are going to, exhibitors of the show basically have to nominate you to be on the invitation list. And apparently there's even an algorithm that gets involved where you can't just be nominated by one publisher. You have to be nominated by more than one. And depending on their clout, that'll determine whether or not you can secure an invitation. Good Lord. So it's like the college football BCS calculation or something. Yeah. Wow. You know what? I had no idea that it was that elaborate or complicated until someone was talking to me about someone else that runs another online website, gamingexcellence.com. He was telling me about it. I had no idea. I just remember when I heard they were going to cut down the attendance that dramatically, I just figured there'd be no way that our website, even if it were 10 years old and one of the very first of its kind to celebrate video games, I, I didn't think that we'd be able to get an invitation. Yeah. And we did, but unfortunately we only got one because... One golden ticket. <laughs> yeah, it was very Willy, Willy Wonka-ish. <laughs> well, and I think the main reason that we only got one is I, I have a staff of usually about 15 people year-round. Sometimes it goes up to 20, and sometimes it drops down to 10. But out of all of us, 
pretty much the, there's only one person that has contact with all of these developers. And that's you? And that's me because... Well played, my friend. <laughs> well, that was never my intention, actually. Uh, sure. I always... I am editor-in-chief of the website, mm-hmm. uh, but I never wanted to do public relations. That was something that someone else handled, and then I eventually had to take it over because I just wanted to be certain that it was being managed well. Oh, sure. And that there were... The free games that we got for review were being all distributed fairly and sent it to the staff. And I think it's been really beneficial for my staff and for the publishers because we've gotten a lot more scheduled and, and we've managed expectations a lot better. But the dagger edged that, as it turns out this year, is that since I'm the only person the publishers know, I was the only person that got an invitation. Oh, wow. So I got to attend the show for my Nintendo website, unfortunately, not which, for Channel Massive. Which is? Which is Nintendojo.com. No, Nintendojo. Nintendo Joe. Yeah. Yeah, it's not Nintendo Joe. It's Nintendo Joe. It's Nintendo Joe. Right. <laughs> I just hit the Japanese hi symbol. Or what about. is it? <laughs> I can't believe that the word for uh, for thank you is slipping my mind in Japanese. The word for <laughs> whatever it is. Arigato. <laughs> Something like that. Uh, yeah. So I was really shocked that we got an invitation. We went out and I went out there and I was hoping to be able to fit in time to check out some stuff for Channel Massive, but as it turns out, being one person doing the work of what's usually five to ten staffers of my website, I had very little time to do anything, and actually I double booked myself, and I missed press conferences, but I made it to appointments, and the time for walk-up stuff was limited only to Friday. And by that time, I was so toasted that I I had to make a point just to sit down several times, and I'm like, I'm not old and feeble but <laughs> just the, the late nights trying to write up stories and at least get something put onto my website right while i'm out there for my staffers and for my readers alike and uh not being able to eat during the day just going hopping on the shuttles and running back and forth between hotels it just wasn't conducive to taking in anything but nintendo stuff i didn't get to check out any xbox stuff any playstation stuff or pc stuff and what's interesting about that even though it those things had to stay on the peripheral. I really felt that the show this year was really more console centric than I remember in the past. Reading it from afar as a just a normal Joe like myself, it seemed like it was more console centric. I mean, a lot of the press releases that you were seeing, you know, you'd see a few things, but it seemed really to concentrate on the console stuff. And a I lot of if... movies and you know stuff I'd never heard about, like the. Um, Force Unleashed. I'd never, yeah. I had no idea what the, they've been working on for two years and I had no idea about that one. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and even games that are, that's got started on PC, like Call of Duty, were featured more than, they were more like, more than likely to be featured on Xbox 360 than they were to be featured using mouse and PC controls. Mm-hmm. Wow. So, it was a little odd, and I'm not sure if that's because, in addition to the number of attendees being scaled back, so too were the exhibitors. There were some major exhibitors that have traditionally always made a splashy show there, such as Tecmo, who just basically boycotted it and decided not to come. Really? Yeah, because they just viewed it as experimental and it was going to be a failure and a waste of money. And the the general gossip around the industry, whether it's on the developer side publisher side or, or the media side is that this could very likely be the last E3. Really? And it really has to shake out to what's going to become more popular in the long run. Is it going to be GDC 
Or is this uh, E for All consumer show that's supposed to come out in October? Is that going to be the new be e something? Yeah, hmm. it, it sounds like in spirit it'll be the closest thing to the old E3, but I'm not sure because this E3 was a lot more conservative. It was all publishers and sequestered little booths within hotels, several, actually six different hotels. Wow. And then there was a hangar space, which was meant to be kind of the weird bastard stepchild of the West Hall and the South Hall and Kinsha Hall, but of, of the Los Angeles Convention Center. But that hangar was really small. It was maybe the size of a football field. Oh, wow. I don't know, probably actually smaller than that maybe three quarters the size of a football field. So with that said, and, and with all the publishers that exhibited there, they had a standardized booth size. It was either 20 by 20, and I think there was only eight of those, and then everybody else had 10 by 10. Wow. Well, you know, even though Jason's not here physically, he is in spirit because this question just popped into my head with his voice, which is, uh, were there booth babes? There were zero booth babes. There were no booth babes. So that's really like all the fanfare and stuff has yeah. just been stripped out of this thing. It's almost like a... There were no statues. You know, sometimes there's really cool artwork and statues yeah, there. Yeah, like like last year, Illidan. Yeah, Blizzard had that amazing statue yeah. of Illidan. And, and in previous years, the, uh, the Age of Empires, I think it was, they had these huge Greek god statues. And Titan mm -hmm. Quest had a huge statue of a, of a warrior fighting a hydra. Oh, really yeah. uh -huh. And Conan had this whole setup where you could go and you could sit on the on the throne of Conan, Conan with King a couple Conan. Conan babes next to you in you know f furry prehistoric garb, and then you Aww. have like a sword. You hold the Sweet. huge sword. Real was, babes or were yeah. They also, oh wow. Yeah, they were. And then after you did that, they'd give you an inflatable uh, Conan Hiberian, Hiberian Adventures sword. Funny like if you a go big... back in time and yeah. go to that. <laughs> it was really cool. And then Conan this year nowhere to be found. And there was yeah, so many I remember things. you were. Trying to, I was trying to text you towards it and realize there wasn't there. Yeah, there's just nothing there. I mean, even the major players like Nintendo or Electronic Arts, the these people had the twenty by twenty booths, quote unquote, but there weren't even any walls or structures to speak of. There were just about three or four aisles of kiosks, and there was nothing separating them. And each kiosk had about, I think, three or four widescreen TVs on it, and up above them would be the company name on each of the four sides. And then a tape to the bottom of the monitors would be the name of the game that was playing most of the time. And for Electronic Arts or for Nintendo, they only had maybe five games showing. God, that's just it's amazing. Do you think do you think it's kind of moving towards the the um like the BlizzCon and then SOE like has their own thing? Are they are the game pub or the developer or publishers going to start to just have their own conventions, or are they going to do like GDC plus? their own conventions or i think it's interesting that you say that because my hunch is yes that's where it's going yeah there's definitely going to be gdc because it's still it's it's hanging on to its image that it's more of a professional venue although i heard several complaints this year that it was trying to emulate e3 wow in the the wake of e3's demise and there were attendees there that were like yeah i don't know it's starting to turn into e3 and it, it was starting to feel more like it and less serious less professional then you have E3, which tried to make things more professional, but then it kicked out all of the independent and hole-in-the-wall type of exhibitors. Yeah, now there's like an indie game developer conference, I guess, they have. Yeah. That's probably where they go, poor guys. And then there's there's other things that can pick up the flack, such as the Penny Arcade Expo, which has continued to grow mm -hmm. each year. Ubisoft, let me think, I'm trying to remember. I think Ubisoft, Capcom... Oh. 
Sony. I think all of those publishers and probably some more have their own game days and conferences. They've had them this year where they do on an annual basis. Ubisoft, it was one of the first times they've done it because they just feel that they're not going to get anything out of E3. And E3 has become, it has the impression this year that it was more North American centric. That, that really, to me, kind of sucks for the like blogging and podcasting and game, you know, the independent game news kind of community because, you know, even if you got your ticket for free, you're probably not going to get travel from all of these different companies or, you know, lodging. I mean, you're going to have to spread yourself very thin and pick and choose, and then that's going to lead towards your site, you know, not maybe representing everybody, but just the... Having the to specialize. And, and you might miss, like, the find of the year, you know? Like, that's so true. something with a lot of buzz. I mean, how, you know, buzz for different things used to come out of these things, out of E3, where they'd be like, oh, well, the, you know, the big ones are this, this, and this. But look, there's this little independent thing here that's... You know, everybody was just shocked and blown away by, and it's going to be the future of gaming. And I don't think that's going to happen anymore with this mm -hmm. kind of direction. You know, maybe a GDC it will, but uh, you know, with all these independent or individualized things, I I don't see that. Anymore. And you know, what's interesting to go along that train of thought is that Guitar Hero, which is arguably one of the biggest console video game franchises right now, mm -hmm. and is just continuing to grow despite all the. Yeah. Prognostications of its demise. Exactly. And yeah. then the funny thing is, last year, if I remember correctly, when I went to E3, it was shown in Kenshi Hall, not in the West Hall or the South Hall, where the people like Nintendo and Ubisoft and Sony and Microsoft and Sega, Capcom, all those companies are usually there. But Guitar Hero was in the bowels of the convention center, <laughs> so to speak. Kinshaw the Hall. boiler room. Yeah, where there's all these <laughs> weird, crazy ideas trying to be sold and just these little tiny publishers and it's all starkly lit. It's all just fluorescent lights. There's not wow. any... There's booth babes scattered here and there, but it looks it looks like this massive cube farm. Oh, wow. It's, it's, it doesn't have the glamour or anything like that yeah. because it's the, it's the budget level, I guess, for E3 exhibitors. And that's where Guitar Hero was featured. Not to say that's where it got started, but stuff like that existed there and now there's a much smaller opportunity for those types of novel ideas to come out just like you're saying wow so that is kind of how it would go that's well i hope i hope that i, I don't know what i hope for <laughs> i kind of hope it doesn't go that way just because you know i think i'd like in the future to cover these things and yeah. have representation there and i wouldn't yeah. much prefer to go to like one or two a year than I think uh, something will come in to fill the void. I mm -hmm. I think the industry is just too used to having mega shows. Because in Japan, that, that's kind of what I was trying to get to earlier, is that these game shows, they've almost started to isolate themselves according to geographic markets. Wow. So Japan has the Tokyo game show. Mm -hmm. And there's, of course, a lot more Asian developers that are showing up there. Yeah, E3 used to be the melting pot or the solid bowl or whatever for a majority of everything. But now that it's cut back on who it shows and what type of space it offers, that's becoming just basically the cream of the crop North American publishers. I mean, you, Ubisoft, Capcom, Sega, the, the big ones from Asia and from Europe were there, but other stuff wasn't represented. And then Europe has the Leipzig show or Leipzig. I'm not sure how to pronounce it in Germany. Which oh, is, right. I've heard of that one. Yeah. It's basically on par with the Tokyo Game Show. It's becoming the new E3, so to speak, of Europe. And as you continue to segment, I'm not really sure where it's all going to go, but I do believe there's 
there has to be something on, on North America, a major show. And I think right now this is just a transitional year where all these shows are scrambling to take the stage and from away from E3. Yeah. And what what caused the down the massive downsizing of it? I mean, uh, was, were the last two years like just too expensive or people losing money or were they there's a clear story that was repeatedly said but i'm not sure exactly (laughs) of all the specific details Uh but basically members of the esrb the entertainment software review board or the entertainment software the esa entertainment software association that's what it used to be called esrb that board actually has members some of its members are actually from Sony and from Nintendo and from Microsoft and the huge publishers, Electronic Arts. Apparently, after last year's show, shortly after last year's show, several of them banded together and they rose a stink, saying that E3 had just become too much of a circus. It was too expensive. They had to spend so much marketing dollars into it. And for what returns? You know, why are they giving away all these silly little toys? Why are they hiring these booth babes? What do they really get out of it? They can't afford to do this with this with game costs becoming millions and millions of dollars, but, and then having to put on this type of show. Oh my gosh! And they just they thought it was out of control, and they were and you know it was rife with lots of punk kids running around just looking for what do you got that's free? Give me oh, this. Oh yeah, looking and for swag. Kids with crap websites—they're not really there to write about it. They're just there to play games, you know, to play the the latest games. Right. And kids that were underage—I mean, you name it. All the possible problems that could be going wrong were going wrong. Even though, I mean, if you wanted to go as a member of the press, you actually had to come up with somehow a business, uh, a tax ID, business license. But boy, they sure went and somehow sure those all those down quickly. Yeah, they in- implemented the the chosen few selection process yeah. and because it it didn't it sounded more like business this time, and it sounded like a media spectacle slash fun thing before <laughs> yeah it and used maybe to be. you did have fun but it sounds it was, like yeah. it was a lot of work kind of to to take it all in too i don't know it's always like that yeah when i, I remember when i first walked into my first e3 which geez that was probably back in 2001 and i walked through the those doors of i think the west hall for the first time and i was dwarfed which is surprising because I'm six foot three. I was dwarfed by the size of these booths oh, wow, that yeah. just went up 30 feet. I think in that wow. hall was where Electronic Arts was always established. And they were right there front and center. And they had these mammoth iron structures and these huge screens that just looked down upon you. And there was just all these statues and loud music and flashing lights of all these yeah. colors. And, and depending on the, the fever of something, if something was really hot, people racing as soon as the doors open, trying to get to us one booth or another to experience something like last year that happened a lot with Nintendo Wii. Hundreds of people queued up outside the doors. Oh, the yeah, I heard Nintendo about that. In. And then you yeah. could see, because there was a bunch of glass doors, but they'd only let you through a couple because people had to make sure that your badge was right. legal and everything. And once they got through, you could see people sprint instantly. But once they got behind the glass over to Nintendo, so they could get in line again. That's right. I remember, you, actually, it was you that told me. I was thinking I read it, but yeah, you were telling me that yeah. this is this crazy. And that was another thing that made it difficult for the professional media out there, mm-hmm. whether they're a newspaper or internet-based, is they were having to compete for time to meet with people and to get this game experience and, and write up stuff that they're being paid to do with these little hole-in-the-wall sites. So it was just... All this huge, it needed to be scaled down in every reason. And so, in having, 
you know, you've been doing this since 2001, you said? Yeah, actually, actually or it's 2000. 2000? Yeah. So having done it this long and kind of seen it go from maybe a level of sanity to kind of crazy the last two years <laughs> yeah. and then now to this really refined, restricted kind of, um, what would, what are your thoughts? Is it good, bad? some good some bad somewhere in the middle somewhere in the middle uh, did it lose its fun it didn't lose its fun because even though the number of developers that were there was definitely cut back the people that were there still know how to make great games and the, the publishers today are a lot more aware of trying to find that little niche game the, the next Katamari Damacy or mm -hmm. the next Guitar Hero, whatever it is, they're they're out there looking for those independent developers on the internet. And one of the neatest games that I experienced was actually called The Blob, <laughs> and it was a game that initially some guy just coded it up, and he you could download it on the internet. Wow! And THQ snapped it up, and it could potentially be the next Katamari game wow. where it's just got such accessible, fun gameplay. Better than Viva Pinata. <laughs> hey, now I haven't played that game, but I've heard it's really, really good. I was what everybody says. incredibly skeptical about it. I haven't it. played it yet either, but I'm going to. What steered me away from that one was just because it was. It seems so marketing and corporate. Yeah. That, oh, the company is making this game to market a cartoon show that they're also making, and that's one part of this huge bundled business opportunity. Yeah. But that's... apparently that game is supposed to be really good and very fun with the sandbox gameplay mechanics that it has. Yeah, and it is beautiful. I, All rare games usually are. I think that's a future um, podcast slash blog entry is um, the commercialization of all media right now. I yeah. mean, movies have product placement galore. Games are talking about it. There, there was a rumor going around that City of Heroes was signing some, or um, Cryptic was signing some deal to put like uh, you know real products in the game. But it's a total rumor. It's not. It's Didn't Matrix do that? I don't know. I'm, the, I the Matrix uh, Online had ads in it. It may, may be in, in its, as it grasps for some <laughs> kind of, <laughs> some kind of lifeline. <laughs> Maybe that's uh, <laughs> the yeah. dying gasp of the Matrix Online. <laughs> but uh, getting back to it, um, of whether it was a good or a bad experience, on the, on the one hand, for my website, one of the things that my readers look for the most is stuff from the big players from Nintendo, from electronic arts. Those are the games that they're most likely to buy. And with this new format, it was really easy and convenient to get to the press conferences and to have all these one-on-one -on -one appointments well, that without any distractions, without being able to hear what was going on. I could actually hear in, in many of the booths, not all of them, I could hear the games that were being played. Oh, not just a crowd roar. Yeah, yeah and, and cool. everybody else with all their speakers and stage shows <laughs> no, turned yeah. up to 11. Right. It was really nice, and I got a lot more networking done. I, I've never done this much at, a, at an E3 ever before. Oh, that's cool. Uh, of course, I was kind of obligated to sound, do it. It sounded like it was, like, in, uh, what's the word? Like, a grueling schedule would be an understatement. I mean, yeah. Eating, just You're crazy. just running on adrenaline, yeah. and... That's about it. No food. <laughs> yeah. I'd really. say I envy you, but I, I don't know if I do. I mean, I, I think I would have liked to still like to go back in time to last year's. Or yeah, last year's would definitely more would of, have been more of a casual, uh, <laughs> a much more like wow yeah. experience. And that kind of what leads to what made it grueling, what you're hinting at, 
is the fact that yes, everything was in nicely nice, posh, quiet hotel suites and ballrooms and stuff like that. But the problem was is that the, it wasn't in the same hotel. It no. was in a cluster of hotels. Right. And then the one hotel where all the software companies had their press conferences at was a mile down the street. Also, it was like being uh, back in college on a big campus. Yeah. <laughs> and granted, there was shuttle right. service that was advertised to uh-huh. run every five to seven minutes, but it did not run every five to seven minutes. Oh, and sometimes sweet. it wasn't there. And sometimes, it, on I think on most days, it didn't start until 1230. Wow. And these people, you start having appointments and everything else at 8 or 9 a.m. in the morning. And you don't... <laughs> It just it became so inconvenient. I mean, because you have to park, and yeah. you have to pay for parking wherever you're at because you're on this ritzy part of Los Angeles, and there's a beach right by there, so you have to pay for your parking wherever you go. And the shuttles need to be operating in order for you to get back and forth. And even if you're just walking from one hotel down a few blocks to another hotel, it's hot, it's humid, yeah, yeah. And you're carrying around a huge laptop and notebooks and everything else in your back because you don't know when you're going to get a second to take a break and write up a story somewhere or record something or download some media assets. So that part was really, it kind of, it was very fatiguing. And then Barker Hangar, the one place that was supposed to be the, the spiritual successor of the true E3 experience, that was five miles away. And the shuttle ride to it only started at, started at only one of the hotels. Oh, geez. So if you're at the press conference hotel, you had to take a shuttle from there to the main cluster of hotels. And then you had to take a different shuttle from there to the hangar and the hangar ride was about 20 to 25 minutes Wow! because they had to stop at two other hotels along the way that weren't even part of the main press area so it's just yeah really cumbersome and what was interesting is at the entrance of the hangar they actually were they'd stop you before you get went in and they wanted your business card and they wanted your name and they wanted to see your badge so they were not messing around because, well, it's because they wanted to see who was actually even going to the hangar. Huh. They wanted to know how many people were going to the hangar and oh, who. And better. I think it was part Data of a miners? forward-looking evaluation about whether they're even going to have this single gameplay in space. Wow. That's that's pretty wild, really. Yeah. And what the thing is, is with all those appointments, you need that single gameplay in space because you can't book appointments yeah. for every single company. They Their schedules fill up. So it was still really nice to have the hangar to go to because then you could just walk up and play some games yeah. on your own time for a company that you may not have been able to schedule time for. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Uh, so did you run into the Mock Army guys this time around? I did not because no. I spent very little time in the press oh, area. Right. That was another thing. The one press room uh-huh. for the entire conference was at that hotel that was a mile away from all the rest oh, of them. Oh, I see. So yeah, you wouldn't, wouldn't want to be there. Yeah. And then the funny thing is that press room was directly on the opposite. It was in the same ballroom that the press conferences were held in. So there was only a curtain dividing the press conference and the press room. Wow. So whether you were in one or the other, you couldn't focus or pay attention because you always heard the sound of the press people on the other side of the curtain. Or if you're in the press room, you heard this booming conference and all this music and everything playing on the other side. Oh, wow. And they scheduled conferences in that ballroom one after another 15 minutes apart. And regardless if you had an invitation to two in a row, everybody in the room had to leave and then get recertified to go in after that yeah and so it was just it was really poorly laid out yeah it sounds like it that was probably the, the worst thing about it. it was just the layout in general of it just not uh huh well that's a pretty cool uh insider's point of view i think of the whole e3 thing any other things to add or uh the, of this as far as pc and oh yeah yeah we get massively multiplayer stuff there 
There wasn't really significant pro there wasn't a really significant presence of massively multiplayer PC games. Mm -hmm. Sony Online Entertainment was there, but I needed an, an appointment to go in there. And since I work for a Nintendo site, I right. could, didn't have that. Right. NCSoft had a small booth. They had one of the 10 by 10 booths, and they were showing off stuff like Tabula Raza and Dungeon Runners, which oh, yeah. many of you will probably already be familiar with in one form or another if you're in the beta or if you've downloaded Dungeon Runners. Blizzard wasn't readily available. The people publishing Conan, Hyperion Adventures was not readily available. And I actually did get the serendipitous, I don't know what the word that I'm looking for, but just the fortunate accident of being next to Blizzard when they were, there was about five Blizzard employees and they were waiting to get their press badge on Wednesday morning. And I was there because I needed that to get into the Nintendo press conference that morning. And they were all there and they were wearing their Burning Crusade and World of Warcraft polo shirts and t-shirts like wow i think those are blizzard employees and they were mostly swapping stories with each other about how they got into the business and what they were doing before joining blizzard and then they got on to talking about how they knew they had a bunch of appointments coming up but they weren't looking forward to speaking to the press because they weren't allowed to say anything oh They're great like, yeah she's um, like i just don't want to be there i want to be asked these questions because I, I have to say that i can't say anything and they're not, they don't want to talk. Yeah, they had huh. nothing that they could reveal. I, I, I suppose any interview with them would have been like, so how did you go about designing Burning Crusade? Right, right. Or what can you tell us about the cinema that you made for StarCraft II? You know, only stuff that's out there. Yeah. Oh, that's that's unfortunate. There was, there are rumors, I think, that they they uncovered that they have yet another development team in action. So a lot of people think it's probably Diablo three or something like that. But... Uh, I'm sure that that came out right during the week, so oh, really? I wonder if they were anticipating a lot of questions about who is this development team and you know what are they doing and come on, just tell us, let us you know break some news. So yeah, I bet they were a little bit uh, tired, <laughs> edgy yeah. and tired, they yeah. tired. <laughs> yeah, they were saying that they were saying that they hoped that nobody showed up for the first day and then they could just go on the next day. Wow, because <laughs> they just didn't want to get into saying sorry, no comment, sorry, I can't tell you about it. Well, that's. But speaking of that, I really wonder, something that Mark and I have talked about so many times, and I'm not sure if we've ever talked about it on the podcast, is the big question of what's the next massively multiplayer game going to be out of Blizzard's deck of cards? Right. And we talked about this even before StarCraft II was unveiled, and we were going back and forth about, well, we know there's a StarCraft title in development, and we know that there's a Diablo title in development, and will one of those be the massively multiplayer game? And, and I think both of us felt that StarCraft would just be a regular RTS yeah. sequel, mm -hmm. and that proved to be true. But we did for we did prognosticate, hypothesize. We yeah. I wouldn't say we foresaw because we don't know yet that Diablo three could be the next online game. But given that Blizzard has said that their next online game is going to be nothing like WoW, we were kind of talking about how it could be maybe something like an online version of Gauntlet or an online version of Diablo. So to oh, speak. Yeah. that type uh -huh. of gameplay, mm -hmm. yeah, put into the. MMO. More of a click and kill, but um, mm -hmm. yeah, that'd be kind of interesting for sure. I mean, one somebody had come up with a pretty good theory, and I think we mentioned it in a previous episode that uh, it was possibly going to be something to compete with Guild Wars head-to-head, -head, mm. which ArenaNet, the Guild Wars guys are all almost ex all ex-Blizzard employees, so yeah. um, you know, they've kind of seen that that works. I mean, Guild Wars is pretty successful. And 
um, Diablo 2 worked well with the whole um, Battle.net thing, you know, it wasn't really a true MMO, but, you know, that's a theory, I suppose. But, yeah, I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see what they unveil. Yeah, and also on the business side, if they're going to have monthly subscriptions or not, or if they're going to be like Guild Wars all the way, where it's just you purchase the software once. And And you get your content updates. and Yeah, then you roll. That's nice. Yeah, it's kind of cool. Thing about that might kill it for Blizzard is they're known for um, taking their sweet time to polish things. Yeah. They never want to release anything that's crappy. So, uh, which see is Star nice. Wars Ghost, um, which I heard there's Starcraft a rumor. Starcraft Ghost. I'm sorry. Yes, I, I've you've heard... got Force Unleashed on the brain. Ah, uh, yeah. I don't know what's <laughs> going on there? Um, I've heard that there's a rumor that they might be thinking of polishing that off too, but or, or bringing it, not polishing it up, bringing it out of. Uh, Retirement and trying to get it going again, but that could uh, be really cool. But um, you know, I, I I guess we'll just with those guys, you just gotta wait and see. But if they if they try to go with that Guild Wars model, um, because they take so dang long, it it might kill them, you know, because they couldn't release things quickly enough. That's true. You know, the expansions would take forever to come yeah, out. Yeah, I mean, they'd be great expansions, but the. The, if you charted, and this will be pertinent to our following segment at some point where we're going to talk about um, the rise and decline of users in games, but if if they did something like that, you would see the users spike, then lose interest, then spike, spike then lose interest, <laughs> then spike. It'd look, it'd look like a, you know, a, a, um, a heartbeat kind of thing, but uh, yeah, that, that would be interesting to see what they could come up with with that. Yeah. Because 18 months, which seem, seems to be there. It, fi- it follows Moore's law almost 18 months, you know, whenever we double processing power. That seems to be the development phase for Blizzard with, like, the Burning Crusade and stuff. So yeah. uh, it'll be kind of interesting to see what they, they're going to do. Yeah. So did you have any other questions about E3? No, I think that's it. That's pretty good insider, you know, point of view. Yeah, I I'm sorry, I... guys, that I couldn't provide you any. Well, your failure is lead. now complete, as I said earlier. <laughs> yeah, that was hilarious. I was telling Mark about... What I did and didn't do and what I saw and didn't see at E3 and his response was, your failure is now complete. Yes, that in the <laughs> Star Wars-y voice. <laughs> Which I was laughing actually about even tonight when I was sitting there waiting for us to get started. But my mind drifted back to it and I just started laughing to myself. Mark didn't ask, but that's what it was. I was failure laughing about, is complete. your failure is complete. All right, next segment. So we're going to... After a little bit of discussion, move around the order of our agenda just a little bit. And next, we will be talking about something that recently happened at City of Heroes. They apparently had a gay prom yeah, that was organized in part by players and also by NCSoft so that all the gay and lesbian players of City of Heroes could have a prom experience, as the PR spin put it, that they weren't able to have when they were 18 or something like that. (laughs) (laughs) Something (laughs) heart-melting like that. And it was kind of interesting. Apparently, NCSoft has done a lot to court the gay community of players. The game City of Heroes has actually always been pretty gay-friendly. I've noticed that when I've played it. There's always been lots of out or openly gay or I don't know what the word is... (laughs) 
flamboyantly gay? I don't know uh, what type of... I just thought they had like really, really bad sense of color. And <laughs> I thought, man, you might think that's red on your monitor, but that's like bright pink. You know? <laughs> I know you're trying to be sinister looking with those sh little shorts on to show off your giant quadriceps. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I think I just may have misinterpreted a whole... <laughs> whole section of my gaming experience <laughs> but yeah apparently there's a there's a couple large gay guilds i i don't have oh, the yeah, names of them uh, or su super groups i'm sorry yeah. that's right in city of heroes they're called super groups not guilds same thing though and the the developer has taken the opportunity to maintain and encourage that that segment of their consumer base their subscription base by courting the gay gay gamer and it's actually really cool because previously as we all know there was a lot of flack over the media about world of warcraft's handling of right a gay guild which what did they they shut it down didn't they they yeah i think they did and then i think they later re-allowed it but in the process it was a pr disaster yeah and you had some um lack of sensitivity i think from some of the um community management people yeah, and it just didn't work very well for their in their favor for uh, as far as the you know relationship with the the media at that point. It just every, they almost did everything you could do wrong. Yeah, you know, from a you know political correctness point of view, from just a being a compassionate person, it's like you'll you'll allow you know people whose sole identif identity is their Brazilian, or they're a Brazilian guild of only warlocks, or they're um, guys who who play female night elves or whatever like that. <laughs> yeah. But if you actually say that you're, um, you know, if you're a, a, a gay-friendly guild, it's suddenly like the, the kiss of death and you're going to have to change your, your ways. And, or you can be... It's like the army's um, uh, policy. Or, you know, the... The, the no, don't ask, don't tell. Don't, yeah, it's like, as long yeah. as you don't know what your guild is all about, it's fine. But <laughs> yeah. don't tell anybody, for God's sake, you know? <laughs> yeah. So. And then meanwhile, on the just months later, there were some people in City of Heroes who were complaining to the game management that the word gay shouldn't be posted and uh, in, in relation to the prom. And because NCSoft went out, they advertised it in the message boards. They put it's it up on, on their homepage today. Yeah, they, I mean, you know they featured shocked. a story about it. They're linked straight to gay.com. Yeah. And the people that complain, they're like, well, you know, you can talk to me if you have an issue with it, but we're not going to change it. Yeah. We don't believe that it's offensive. And it's really neat to see that type of openness and acceptance in an online gaming community. Yeah, it's, diff it's different. That's for sure. Compared to what we've seen some other, other blunders, you know, in the past, that's a totally different way to go about it. But part of it is uh, you have to, you just have to know that it's, marketing mm -hmm. and business savvy at play because we all know that city of heroes isn't the big beast that it used to be and no it seems to be despite everything they say despite the fact that they say that they haven't moved a single developer away to work on the marvel mmo um you know all these claims it's and they're like releasing updates but there's nothing announced on the horizon there's no you know yeah, third expansion that I know the next, of. Next issue. When's the next expansion? Yeah, you know they—they they know they just released um, issue ten Vanguard, but um, not to be confused with <laughs> <laughs> the Perhaps other a different Vanguard. name would have been better than Vanguard. <laughs> but uh, but no, I mean, um, 
you know, you just get the feeling that they're just writing it out, you yeah. know, until the Marvel one comes out. Even, I just don't feel like, I know they love it, they're passionate about the game, mm-hmm. but you just don't feel like there's anything on the horizon to look forward to. Yeah. I don't, certainly. Um, but when I read the article, you know, and when you read it, if mm-hmm. you, if you, <laughs> if you were just someone who had never heard of this before, you would think, Oh my gosh, this is the online gaming community for gay people. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's the way the article read. Is like, yeah. you know, every Halloween there's a big festival. Yeah, and, that's what they were talking about. And, now this is going to lead into the new Halloween celebration. Yeah. The test out, do the prom. Yeah, I mean, this that's the, these these are going to be world events that are totally catering to the um to that community and I it's like I I've never even heard of this until today and you know, I played the game and I haven't played it a lot lately, but you know, I played it for years. Um, since it came out, um, I mean, I played it since the beta, and you know, y- maybe the that community existed, but it certainly wasn't a defining aspect yeah, of the game. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Except for that one character I ran into, Fab Faro. Uh, you know, I, I don't know. <laughs> well, one of my cherished avatars. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> In hot pink and yellow. <laughs> Egyptian evil. Evil hot pink and fabulous, fabulous pharaoh, fabulous pharaoh. <laughs> yes. Well, you know, the City of Heroes kind of plays up to the whole campsite of superhero mythology. I think there's always mm-hmm. been. I think that's what's so cool about comics. Batman and Robin. Is that what you're, where you're headed? Oh no. No, sorry. I'm actually oh. not headed that way. I'm not actually going to name <laughs> off any specific licenses or titles. <laughs> but you're more than welcome to because you're much more experienced with and knowledgeable. Thanks, <laughs> <laughs> Well, I totally didn't mean it that way. <laughs> it's good thing Jason's not here. He'd be like, "This is bullshit." <laughs> He'd slam down his headphones and <laughs> go grab my wife to come check this out. <laughs> <laughs> knowledgeable. knowledgeable knowledgeable is the word that I was looking for knowledgeable in the canon of comics <laughs> but I, that's what I think is cool about comics is that it's one of those way that one of those mediums that you have brilliant art great stories and, and, a, and an appeal that can appeal to all different types of people and that when you're growing up as a teenager you can look to these superheroes and find metaphors within your own life and s- oh, yeah. some ways to encourage how to deal with problems or just feel better about yourself or to relate to something. It's such a great form of entertainment. Yeah. And I think that without its licenses, without Marvel licenses or DC licenses or Dark Horse or whatever, City of Heroes plays more to the core spirit of what comics and the world of cartoon superheroes has to offer. Oh, yeah. And that it's a way that people can create alter egos and feel good about themselves and feel like they're doing something good for society this virtual society but a society no less and then you can if you want to get even you can play as a villain now which is really cool no that's yeah it's even you can be the antithesis of your uh you know your outlook on or your whatever your yeah you know it's kind of neat and with the amazing character customization that city heroes has you can create almost any type of identity that you want and i don't think there's really any massively multiplayer game out there that is better suited to focus on the gay community then city of heroes for all of those reasons yeah you know i hadn't i never had thought of it but yeah it's kind of amazing it is 
I mean, even my metrosexual brother-in-law um, <laughs> couldn't resist the character Everybody's customization. That's what pulled him in. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Someday people are going to listen to this and be very upset. But, <laughs> but, but you know that when the beta was out, I said, I said, you got to check this out. I mean, the character customization is really cool. I've got and, to admit that's what got me into it. And he it has too. a fine arts degree, so yeah. obviously he, you know, he, he, two hours later he emerged with his first character, mm-hmm. you know, which was a five foot six bumblebee looking kind of guy. <laughs> yeah. I didn't quite get, but you know, yeah, <laughs> um, you know that. Yeah, it's just it's kind of funny that that is unique. I, I think as far as game MMO game, it might that may well be true, and I would have never thought of it until now. But the other thing is, you know, there's online communities like Second Life and others out there yeah. that could also probably you know translate work. very well into yeah, because you can create a whole. Um, you know, whole uh, cities or, you know, subdivisions of cities for whatever, you know. So mm-hmm. that might also be appealing. But as far as a pure game where you could actually get in and play, feel like you're playing a game, this this would be probably the one. And Yeah, I'd it's so accessible. You can get in, you can get out. And it, pr- and it promotes being in a group more than any of the other MMOs that it are really does. right now. We I mean, talked about that in our last episode. Yeah, in fact. Me, even Jason and I devout weirdos who play multiplayer games so we can solo yet talk to each other <laughs> when it comes to city of heroes or city of villains we always end up grouping we're like pickup group you know crazy and and it's just because it's so damn fun it's so much fun to be in a group especially a well-rounded group and yeah. that game really promotes it and it, you know you can have a large number as opposed to like world of warcraft you know you can have eight eight people and uh yeah it's it just it's kind of it's kind of amazing i just had never thought of that yeah, so I, I applaud NCSoft for taking, perhaps for some people, the less desirable route, but I think the most mature and well-rounded yeah. route that they could go versus all of the controversy that got stirred up with World of Warcraft. I don't think that NCSoft's marketing engineers or PR engineers will be rewarded with the same kind of publicity that Warcraft got negatively yeah. or positively months ago. No, I'm I don't not think sure you could top that one. Yeah, I'm not sure how much that's all tied into their overall scheme. Yeah. But good for them for taking a, a route that, as you can see, isn't going to generate probably much press, but it's something that gives one more opportunity for people who have a hard time getting through regular day-to-day life, give them something a little bit nicer yeah. to come home to. And now that they've taken the step of being possibly regarded as um, lesbian by gay friendly they can take the other step of not being um, <laughs> accused of being anti-semitic by bringing back the fifth column <laughs> <laughs> and then you know certainly Jason will be happy I yeah think. that was their big PR blunder I would suppose I, I'm thinking so and it was really a hush hush thing but it's like why did why did an entire villain group just disappear and be replaced with a very moderate looking group of people yeah. <laughs> you know as they went from red and black with you know they didn't have swastikas but it was pretty they had little falcons very, running around. yeah they had lots of falcons and were very darth vader-ish which was a direct you know descendant of the of the whole stormtrooper look you know they went from that to the council <laughs> which wore a lot of green and it was a much more community focused yeah Nazi. <laughs> kinder gentler <laughs> Nazi 
<laughs> you know, Nazi organization. <laughs> I always kid and say bring him back, but I totally understand what they why they. Jason <laughs> would say all day long, bring him back, and that that's the greatest injustice that was served to them. I know. I, you know, you just can't. You just. I don't know. It's a. It's a kind of a thing. If you're offending that big of a chunk of people, it's probably not worth doing but it was <laughs> yeah. really fun kicking those nazi asses all day long I, oh yeah there's a there's a um task force and i can't remember the name of it but it's like something you do in your 30 your level 30 ish range i did it over and over and over again <laughs> just punish those guys it was so fun but uh but anyway back to the back to the story yeah i think i think it's a pretty cool thing it's, yeah. it's really pretty amazing so kudos to ncsoft and you know inevitably city of heroes will probably fade into the archives of gaming history and I'm not sure what will take its place either gameplay wise hopefully it's the new Marvel, Marvel Universe game. Online you know, it'll be that fantastic as for the gay community of gamers I'm not sure where they'll go to there will always be some place it's not like that's the only place they can go there's definitely a large community over on Warcraft yeah, as yeah. the PR flack for them indicated but it's you know it's kind of cool it's yeah. neat to see a publisher taking that step and being gutsy enough to go that far and not yeah. be too fearful of the repercussions. Yeah, which what kind of repercussions could you really face? I mean, would it be the the same guys on the forums that are already going to quit the game because they're you know they're not being friendly to their their tank spec or something like that? Yeah. They're like, well, that's it. <laughs> There's going to be a gay parade. I'm out of here. I'm quitting. <laughs> this is it. You know. I mean, you, you yeah. know. I think I think the gamers that are left are pretty into the game, and and maybe loyal. maybe a large percentage of them are enjoying what they can do with that. Um, and know, who knows? Maybe it could the, be another Asheron's call where it just lasts forever. Yeah, shrinks down to ten, fifteen thousand subscribers and never dies. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, best thanks. wishes to them. Thanks, Noah. So for this segment, I uh, kind of wanted to talk about the rise and fall of um, user counts in uh, MMO games and how careful you have to be when you read statistics. Mm-hmm. Um, statistics are, are a double-edged sword because you can prove a point and disprove a point with the same statistics depending on your <laughs> point of view. Yes. It all depends on how clever you are with your graphs and how many things you leave out of the descriptions, you know. I mean, there's there's just classic cases where they're like watching TV causes children to be autistic, and we have you know we have statistics to prove this to be true 10% of the time, and yet they don't talk anything about um, any of the other possible causes for autism or yeah. uh, you know it, it's just it's just an amazing thing that you see over and over again where people can misread statistics and mm-hmm. come up with an outcome that's not even related to to any any kind of source or output variables. Mm-hmm. So there was a lot of um, hubbub in the uh, gaming community, especially from those people who aren't the biggest fan of Blizzard or perhaps like you know rival game MMO game makers like SOE or yeah. uh, you know to name <laughs> to name one specifically, where they were kind of like, wow, finally things have run its course and. And um, you know we have we have data here to show that um, active players of World of Warcraft are in decline. You know May was the lowest number that they've that they had posted of active users since uh, let's see March it looks like. And you know actually the peak 
looks like it was in February of right users, after work, right yeah. after right after the Burning Crusade came out. So it's a it's kind of an interesting theory, and and I think it's totally untrue. <laughs> <laughs> I think that what probably happened, and, and actually I don't really personally care either way if <laughs> if, if um you know user use active usage of World of Warcraft goes up or down or or what happens. I mean with some people have estimated now that they've hit the 9 million mark of active subscribers and and you have to consider too that the these subscribe these subscriptions are not equitable across different countries. So in That's the United right. States for instance um you pay a heck of a lot more than you pay if you're Chinese and in China it goes through a totally different distribution system and is like literally pennies on the dollar for a subscription. So you could have, you know, massive numbers coming out of China. Uh, they also have Blizzard was crafty and marketed really heavily with the um to the European community and there's a heck of a lot of subscribers over there in Europe as well. But, you know, I could I could personally care less whether or not it goes up or down. In fact, sometimes as a person who's still playing WoW, I would kind of like it to be lower. <laughs> yes. Especially because I play on a PvP server. It might just allow me to survive in some zones like Nagrand, which appears to be the new um, Stranglethorn Vale, without getting ganked every five seconds by somebody who's flying over me. <laughs> I had to throw that in just because it happened last night. For the third night, episode in a row. <laughs> <laughs> very upset, and I'm still not done whining about my warrior <laughs> in Outland. But anyway, <laughs> but anyway, um, I thought it'd be kind of interesting to talk a little bit about this and talk a little bit about some of the subscription numbers that we do know in some of the MMOs that are active right now. Um, one of the things that's that's fascinating to me is that, you know, it's really not something that a lot of publishers want to let loose as far as what their subscription numbers are. Yeah, of and um, um, better podcasts than this have talked about why you know they wouldn't want it known because and basically what most of them say is, uh, and better bloggers too. I mean, what most of them say is when the numbers are high, you're riding high, it's great. But the minute you would have to, you know, announce that your subscription rates have dropped, well, you know, that can only be seen by everybody as, ah, time to bail out of this and find the next best thing because the rates are going, yeah. you know, people are people are leaving and, you know, I don't want to be in the, the game that's, you know, losing people. I want to be in the next big thing, that, kind of, a, that yeah. kind of a take on it. But some of the counts that we do know are, you know, like I said, wow, it's recently estimated at around 9 million Previous to that, I'd heard 8.5. So it's amazing how 500,000 users can be added in you know a couple months to a game. Um, Lord of the Rings Online, you know, it it came into a market that everybody said was totally saturated. Everybody said that you know the MMO market is full. Um, we've got this behemoth that's um, World of Warcraft. There's no more room. Everything's squeezed out. It's you know any anybody that tries to start a new game in this environment is going to you know, maybe pull in 250,000 users, something like that, and then slowly decline. Yeah. And instead, they they came in and they hit 2 million, which is just humongous. And and I think, too, that I don't know what their penetration in the European and Asian market is, but I think a lot of it's U.S. subscribers. I, I would like to get better data on that, and I couldn't find it in time for this segment, but I I find that to be just humongous. And, you know, especially it's a turbine product, so apparently... 
uh, you know, a lot of people have, like like our, our dear co-host Jason, have given up the hate as far as uh, being <laughs> so let down and disappointed by Asheron's Call 2 and actually went ahead and bought it and got into the whole Tolkien world and, and yeah. felt that it was it was right on the mark, you know. I would have never thought that he was going to get into that game with as much as I he did. I never did. Because, you know, some people, everybody has their different pet peeve, you know. I, I think... Uh, a lot of Star Wars Galaxies players are still mad at Sony uh, Online Entertainment because of the the dreaded dumbass patch that they <laughs> that they <laughs> they released to simple the dumb they, the game down and the game basically most most people's opinions broke the game forever and and made it rendered it unplayable. Um, so you have a lot of people who hate them for that. You have a ton of people who hate Turbine for um, the the fact that Asheron's call. Instead of instead of them continuing to expand Asheron's Call, they went ahead and took a leap to make Asheron's Call 2, which most people believe was basically nothing more than a prototype for the Dungeons & Dragons online game, you know, DDO, and then Lord of the Rings Online, Lotro, to kind of use as a way to sell their engine and their new technology. And I would find that, as a conspiracy theory, pretty easy to believe because there were, like, three quests in the whole damn game. <laughs> um, <laughs> repeatable, you know, there were, like, several repeatable quests that you just did over and over again, and that was pretty like much it. fetching heads? It, not even that. It was, like, kill this monster, you know, and, and it was... It was it was just I played it for quite a while. Sadly, you know you I must was like, really like it. Will get quests. better. I love these three quests. These three quests are great. I'm going to do them again. <laughs> They're all you know, I need. Like you know, in in World of Warcraft, they've introduced the concept of daily quests now to the to the WoW players, which are these quests that are limited. You can only do them daily. Um, any any more than that, and you know you're not allowed. And that's to keep kind of to equalize the the over-the-top, you know, gamers where it's their life versus the casual gamer. Yeah. And, um, but that was a, an accidental daily quest, kind of in Asheron's Call too. It was like, I will do this every day until I max <laughs> level. I would do it twice a day, but I'd be too burned out, you know? Yeah. So, but, um, but yeah, you know, you, you, when you look at, when you look at these games and, and kind of what kind of, um, users they have in their loyalty a lot a lot of people hate turbine for what they did with Asheron's call because a lot of people really liked Asheron's call a lot of people really like star wars galaxy uh, a lot of people don't like blizzard they think that they've created a game that's brought in a whole influx of gamers that weren't you know hardcore mmoers and that these people are idiots and they're juvenile and um they quote conversations out of baron's chat and <laughs> which i think jason had said is just a phenomenon unlike anything else he's ever seen in a game yeah. uh you know chuck norris comments and stuff but a lot of people think that like wow is the um kindergarten version of an mmo you know um i've heard that some people aren't too happy with cryptic but i've i've never kind of figured out what the angst is i mean i don't know or NCSoft, I should say, not Cryptic. Um, a lot of people don't like NCSoft. I'm not quite sure what it is about that. I, I've never quite understood. Yeah, they do a lot of different stuff. I yeah, they're you know they're kind of all over the place with their with their their target audience and their marketing and, and yeah. I don't know you know what they've done to let gamers down really. But surely there was something that pisses off a, a <laughs> huge segment of gamers. But um. But yeah, you know, it's it's kind of an interesting phenomenon as far as that goes, where somebody can can line up a 
a particular publisher and their sites and say I, I don't like them. But anyway, I think back to my main point, people use statistics based on this to kind of paint a picture. And so I think there was a lot of jubilation in some of the, the crowd that's not big Blizzard fans that finally yeah. this thing, this monster, this beast is going down, you know. And now my androgynous black dark elf yes uh, oh yes reign supreme for you ever quest two players out there um god love you um <laughs> you know when you when a lot of people talk about how you know EverQuest two subscribers are not the same as world of warcraft subscribers you know because of the asian and european markets and all that stuff that they don't count it doesn't count equally okay fine let's just take 10 percent of all of the <laughs> wow subscriptions then half that number and it's still about 150 to 250,000 more than the EverQuest 2 subscribers. So mm -hmm. that gives you a sense of how dang big it is. Um, but anyway. <laughs> I was just, I, I almost thought we were channeling someone there for a second. I, I think Jason's presence is here. I don't know what it is. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's kind of, kind of funny. But anyway, looking at some of these user counts, um, we've got, uh, you know, EverQuest 2 is. I, I've heard estimations from 250 to 350,000, which is a pretty healthy community and which is, I had believed previous to World of Warcraft about as big as an MMO could get. Yeah. You know, and that's a, and EverQuest 2, um, they've been, they had a horrible launch. They've been slowly just adding more and more to it, making it much more playable, you know, and the game has been getting better and better. They've been adding a ton of content. And so I think that they're rewarded with, you know, a pretty, pretty good subscription base. Lotro and, and World of Warcraft coming in at, at 2 and 9 million respectively seems to show that there's a strong desire for maybe a more dumbed down game or a more um, easily accessible game. Yeah. You know, something that's easy to get into and and sustains people, keeps people active. Um, then you look at some of the niche stuff. Asheron's Call is it estimated at being between 10 and 15k in users. That's really tiny. I mean, when you start to do the math on that, if you took 10,000 users and multiplied that by, like, say, a $10 subscription fee, that's, you know, $100,000 a month. That's like $1.2 million for? a year for a budget. I mean, yeah. if, if they weren't getting the money from the, you know, the monster that is um, Lord of the Rings Online now... But, you know, before that came out, I mean, I'm not quite sure how you sustain a staff. If you if you said the average, like, staffer, say, with the salary, and I know game game developer salaries and is not that, you know, they're not that high, or community support guys. I mean, you're talking maybe an average, of, a medium of, like, 50K, something like that. Yeah. You could, so say you could have, like, without all the overhead of all your other operations, you know, you, you could have maybe... I don't know, 15 of those guys, perhaps, 10, 15, something like that. Well, it's just not a really profitable venture at that point. No. Maybe it shows loyalty. You know, maybe the turbine haters should go, geez, at least they're keeping this game alive for the people that like it. You know, because <laughs> yeah. I know they're still releasing updates for it. You know, they are really? Yeah. I mean, they're still, they're still in some stasis story. of coma. Yeah, they didn't just fold like, you know, Auto Assault, um, which reached also, I think, a. a a user base of somewhere around there, you know, and just said they in CSOFT just said, hey, that's it, we're done, you know, it's fold, it's gonna fold, which is interesting because if you go to the website, you can still sign up for the game. <laughs> so it <laughs> might be nice if you tell people, you know, likewise, there's some certain computer stores you can go to and still buy Asheron's Call 2 boxes, which 
would be an interesting thing once you get home and <laughs> you're all ready to play. <laughs> That's sad. <laughs> yeah, I was at a micro center and they had like three of them on a shelf and I was like... I can't believe that. That's, That's great. That's, That's got to be unethical to sell that. It's got to be. You know, you, you should put that up there with like some Apple II games or something, you know. <laughs> but... um. Then EVE Online, that's an interesting one to me because that's the game to me that feels like they've they've said you've heard of eat it, you know it's the it's the um, drink that eats like a meal. Well, that's the the game that plays like a job to me. I mean it it literally it feels like I'm at work. First, there's like the grueling two two hour or so tutorial depending on how <laughs> mentally uh, quick you are, which I understand they've just been working on retooling to make it more accessible. But the, so you do this tutorial, which is incredibly bland and dry, and is all about the basic mechanics of your your ship, and then you start to play. And I mean, it's like, you know, guilds are called corporations. Um, it's like you you're you're buying and trading commodities. There's a it's incredible for PvP, I guess. It's it's very you know much a hardcore classification of a of a game. But for me, utterly inaccessible, which, you know, labels me as one of those dumbed-down players that likes <laughs> WoW or <laughs> Lord of the Rings Online or something like that, which I have no problem with, you know. My favorite RPG of all time is Diablo 2, which is tells you my mentality is uh, I like to kill and click stuff or click and kill stuff or whatever. Yeah. I mean, that's what I enjoy. Um, so, you know, EVE Online, utterly inaccessible to somebody like me, but it has a base of 170,000 users and is it's huge. Is humongous. And I, you know, I'm just, I'm astounded by it. I How mean, old is that game? Like four years old? I think, yeah, I think so. It's four or five years old. It's been, you know, it's been around. It's, it's been, it's got all kinds of technological revolutionary features to it. Like it's one giant universe, one, one server, not split into multiples, you know, it's, and it's got all this crazy technology and yeah. And it's almost like half of the EverQuest too. Yeah. And you'd think getting back to what we were talking about earlier about WoW's numbers going up because of the Burning Crusade expansion pack coming out that EVE would naturally be much lower and EverQuest 2 being something newer to the scene by a couple of years I think at least would have much higher numbers but it's not true it just goes to show that there are hardcore fans that can make a game out there last forever yeah yeah they really can I mean and EVE if anything is growing I mean I've been I was trying to I was trying to pull this data together, and I, I didn't. I don't have the greatest numbers right now. I mean, these are rough approximations, and I'm not the definitive source for sure because these are numbers that are estimated and not released. So yeah, of course. Um, and it, there were press releases for Eve as they approached various milestones or CCP. Their their the, the maker would would release, but um, you know, 170k. That's just that's just an amazing amount of hardcore you know, gamers that are actually, you know, a lot of people say science fiction isn't the best um, medium for this type of thing. And these are hardcore sci-fi game players, you know, battling across space. And, and it's just, it blows my mind. And they don't even have, I mean, they're just now coming out with avatars for the actual people. So these are people who are just, you know, these like entities floating around flying these these ships, but they don't actually have a physical representation until now. I, you know, I actually didn't know that. Yeah, you don't. You know, they just now are getting little little people to run around, which I think is actually kind of a prototype for their um the their White Wolf game that they're gonna do. I think because they those avatars look so killer. I mean, there there are videos of them, and it's so smooth, and the animations are incredibly smooth. The the pixel count must be through the roof, and the 
the you know the the textures and everything is just really good looking it's like it can't just be for this because all they did basically do is go sit in a boardroom and talk to each other i mean that's what they do they're not it's not like space combat like you know high high fantasy or high you know it's not star wars or anything like that it's mostly they go and their corporation gets together in a boardroom and talks about who the hell who the heck they're going to destroy next you know so wow. all of that effort for those guys, you have to guess that's like a technology demo for the next game or, you know, something like that. Yeah. But I know we're wandering a bit. But then um, the count for City of Heroes is um, City of Heroes slash City of Villains. I last one I got was 140,000, which yeah. is funny because of all of these games, I, I find that to be the most accessible, uh, you know, the easiest one to get into. Definitely. Um, for me, anyway, just being we we've talked about it in previous episodes is the you know character customization makes you really feel a bond with your character. You know, Definitely. you you are yeah. invested in that character. The grouping is great. The combat is straightforward, simple, but you know it's um, visually just awesome. You know, it's 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 surprising to me, it's, and it might be just that the game is has kind of run its course and people. You know, people have kind of seen everything there is to see, and they're 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 feeling the 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 stuff they've done where they've added crafting and auction houses and stuff might be a little too little too late. Yeah, I would agree with that. You know, without some kind of major expansion, new lands to go to, new higher, you know, maybe a new level cap, maybe uh, a big technology update. You know, because the graphics I think are starting to look a little little aged. I mean, yeah. you know, they're still they're still pretty but i think you know without that maybe it's it's not enough um but yeah i mean i I guess those are those are some of the numbers right now and kind of my takes on them and i think we're seeing kind of a decline in in a lot of them i don't know that um i didn't mention some of the other ones like vanguard or some similar disasters Uh, (laughs) (laughs) but i think you know it's 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 interesting to kind of see the rise and fall, and if and and I don't know, Noah, you, do you have any predictions to make? I, I have one, but I'd like to kind of hear as to upcoming games or existing games. Uh, existing games and their user, uh, their their user count directions, and and what's going to happen in the next like I don't know, eighteen months. My anticipation is that Lord of the Rings and World of Warcraft will eventually erode away anything that's similarly styled. In other words, other fantasy genres, such as EverQuest 2 and Asheron's Call. And I think it's going to eventually suck those up or, or reduce them to even smaller numbers. EVE, I don't know why it's still around, uh, but it definitely appeals to a, a very specific demographic that there's apparently many people yeah. <laughs> in that demographic. City of Heroes, I think what's going to be required for that game to truly go away completely will be a release of a, something similar genre, which would be the Marvel or the DC MMOs that yeah. are being developed by NCSoft and Sony. Yeah. So I, I think I kind of see it as a similar, from a similar point of view, starting at the you know the bottom of the list, I think. Yeah, City of Heroes, I, I think it's going to slowly dwindle until probably the Marvel Universe Online comes out, and I think you're going to see a lot of... Um, the, that base that's there, the 140k, I think is a pretty loyal base. I think they're gonna just lock, stock, and barrel, move over. You know, they're gonna they're gonna migrate over. Because that's the expansion pack that they're waiting for, basically. Yeah, that is the expansion pack. You know, who knows? They could 
NCSoft or Cryptic could surprise us, but I kind of think that's what's going to happen. I think yeah. despite all that they say, I think their full resources are, are in this new game, and I can't blame them for that. I mean, it's a chance to have a new engine. We all know, too, that if they were to come out with City of Heroes 2, that would be the kiss of death for them, or City of Villains 2 or whatever. We yeah. know what it did to EverQuest and EverQuest 2. Well, they could have City of Sidekicks. City of Sidekicks. <laughs> <laughs> the choose stories of Jimmy Olsen and Robin. You know, yeah, that'd be great. That'd be that'd be really cool. Um, but I think that's kind of. I think you're right on that. Uh, Eve Online. I think it's going to just keep growing and at at a snail's pace or whatever. I think, I think it's such a solid game and its technology is so solid. And it though it's not my cup of tea, I have nothing but admiration for it because. I think if I was a little bit younger, you know, um, had more and had more, time. had more expendable time, I think it might be something that, you know, you could really get into. I think it's where a lot of the hardcore MMO players are going to go. And who knows what they're going to do. They, they're they always incorporating new new features into it. Um, you know, they, they went with the third-party voice over IP system that lets you do all kinds of phenomenal things like call into your corporation from your cell phone, or at least they're talking about doing that. They've got the avatars added, which maybe at some point they'll add more to it to where you could actually have, you know, something something like, you know, hand-to-hand combat. Who knows? That might make it a little bit that more exciting. Cool. Um, but they've done nothing but just improve it and refine it, and, and it is kind of standing alone as the only... I don't know what you would, I don't even know what you call that. It's, you know, a space trader kind of game, I guess, you know. I wonder if though if people graduate from it to day trading, I don't know. You know, <laughs> it's it's a tough one. Um, Asheron's Call, I think, has got to die. I think, you know, I can't see it going more than a year. I mean, uh, I think maybe, I, I don't know. I think those, the, when you're down to 10, 15K, I think what needs to happen is people need to just, get an emulator for the server and start to build their own little communities where they can still play this crazy niche game that was once great but without without you know without that many people I can't even see that that like division of turbine is even is even profitable at this point yeah um everquest 2 you know I think I think that's going to be an interesting one for Sony online entertainment because they still have everquest and they have everquest 2 and they have vanguard, vanguard. which they've acquired um, which I think is really cool what they're doing with that, you know, to try to turn it around. Um, I think I'm that. not familiar with that. So Sigil Games was the maker of Vanguard. Yeah. Which was going to be the WoW killer and promptly came out. And it was already destined for failure, you know, based on what was going on with the their, their corporate direction and everything. They had perhaps the, like, worst CEO of all time as far as what he did. I can't, I can't remember his name right now, but he, he basically went when he was going to have to announce the layoffs to the team because they, they were going to be let go, he couldn't show up in person because he said it was just going to be too much for him emotionally. It's like, wow, what a leader, you know. But they were destined for failure. Most people said he had kind of checked out, you know, months before because it wasn't going in the right direction. Um, so the game came out, and Sony Online Entertainment bought it, took it over from Sigil, and they're going to support it, and they're going to try and turn it around. Wow. So there's task. there's three fantasy MMOs, and then there's that Rome, the Rome one that they're coming out with. Um, oh yeah, that's right. I forgot about that. There's that one. I don't know what else they have in the works. You know, I'm not the. I'm they not, have a pirates one for Pirates PS3. of the Burning Sea. Yeah, that one. They got that one. So they have all these kind of, you know, 
it's like all the same it's the same company you know huge company multi multiple divisions all working on the same kind of game with a different with a different decoration twist and yeah just like it'd be neat if they could kind of merge it all into one or two you know something you know i i've always thought that when you take a franchise like everquest and then you re you release something called everquest 2 it can do nothing but fragment your community you know you have those who want to stay with everquest and those who want to play everquest 2 and i think sony's online entertainment's done a cool thing is they're making a like a universal chat system so no, ma- no matter what SOE game you're playing you can still chat with people yeah which would be really good because a lot of the old EverQuest guard you know can talk to the people who are actually trying something new you know and I think people wander all the time I think it just probably feels like going home I mean because yeah. of the games that have been around that long you know none are really left except for Ultima Online and that I don't know who plays that. I don't even mention that in the show. I just, <laughs> I three thousand users. Yeah, I, <laughs> I know. <laughs> but uh, yeah, you know that one's going to be an interesting one. And then with WoW and Lord of the Rings Online, the only thing I would predict is that I think what's going to happen is a boomerang effect. I think a lot of the people that were WoW players that went to play Lord of the Rings Online and you know got on the forums and said oh this is so much better everybody here is so much smarter and all the you know this game is just it just blows doors on on wow i think a lot of them are going to realize that it's really just wow but it's it's a wow without good pvp with less raid content with a lower level cap with you know what i mean it's like if you really like that game you know why don't you go play world of warcraft where all the other players are so i think that the Lord of the Rings Online, um, I think they're going to actually, it's going to decline in its numbers. And I still think that WoW is going to be the, the behemoth. Wow. That's that's what I would see would happen. But we will have to see. I've been very wrong before. It's I'm always be interesting wrong to hear what Jason's take would be on that since he's he is one of those converts. Oh, I hope he'll be back to WoW, I think. You know, or something different. But I don't think he's going to stick with Lord of the Rings Online. There always is Conan that's coming up. That's the real... Well, that, you know, then there, there are those two on the horizon that everybody talks about is Age of Conan. And I think even more hyped up is the Warhammer Online because yeah. Warhammer Online has the... Um, they have that mythic um, Dark Age of Camelot pedigree, which still most people consider to be the best best done PvP yet in the MMO kind of okay. market. Uh, Dark Age of Camelot had this realm versus realm PvP yeah, I remember. That, that a lot of people really found to be awesome. I never could invest the time in the single-player part to get there, so I never realized it. Yeah, and I feel Warcraft kind of already offers that in a, simpli- a simplified form. As usual, yeah, they simplify. With the Horde versus the Alliance, yeah, basically. Yeah, exactly. Instead um, of like three or four, because it was like several different regions, weren't there? Yeah. In Dark Age of Camelot. Yeah. So that, that well, there's, yeah, there's I think there's three big factions, yeah. groups. Um, there's like a Nordic one and a typical like high fantasy one and the other one escapes me because it's been a druidic while. or something like no that. that might be right yeah I don't know. um so i you know i mean there was a, it was a three-way kind of thing versus the two two v the the two-way competition and yeah. um in in world of warcraft but then so 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 yeah so warhammer's got that kind of the mythic kind of pedigree thing going whereas age of conan has the funcom one which i think most people um, who played Anarchy Online really liked it, but a lot of people have never tried it because, once again, it's one of those sci-fi games which just isn't 
quite as accessible to people. I, I don't know. It just doesn't yeah, grab people. I don't understand people. why that happens. But they have, in, in Anarchy Online, a lot of the concepts from that game that they've worked on and added to it over the years will go right into Age of Conan. So, like, all the AI for, like, when you build a player city, because you can build a player city in this, in Age of Conan, and, uh, allegedly. When you build one, a rival in non-player character-controlled um, AI city will, will spawn also. And will oh, be wow. your competitor for your... Say you have a guild that builds a city. There'll be this NPC-based nemesis to your city. <laughs> that is so cool. And then you can also have raids. That you can declare, like, wars on other cities, you know, player-based cities, and have, you know, inter-city warfare and stuff like that. And it's really, really kind cool. of a, some unique concepts. And a lot of that AI stuff has been already figured out in Anarchy Online. So the two are both really interesting from for different angles. One's got this just crazy head over heels PvP. I mean, a lot of the quests in Warhammer are PvP based. You know, world world quests. I guess they call them where you know a thousand. Well, not that. Say a hundred different player characters can all be trying to do the same quest, and and when it's finally done, your amount of contribution kind of dictates what your reward is. That's really you know cool. some concepts like that versus the Age of Conan's going to have the really smart AI. And it's going to have a lot more of the... Um, it'll have definitely... It's very PvP-oriented, but it'll also allegedly have a lot of raiding support and, you know, and crafting and all that, all those things that you would like. So those things are coming on the horizon, and they're just an unknown, you know, because everybody pumped up Vanguard and said it was just going to come out and just lay waste to the entire field, and it just flopped, you know? Yeah. And then with Lord of the Rings Online, I don't think there was a lot of expectation by a lot of us that it would do... I thought it would hit 200,000 users or something like that, and instead it just was a phenomenal hit. But I think it's a hit because it's just a World of Warcraft clone, and people are going to realize it and go, hey, you know, I kind of miss my World of Warcraft friends and my characters that I worked so hard to get, get there, and I'm kind of done with my Hobbit or whatever. <laughs> Yeah, and yeah. it's still it's you have to think that Lord of the Rings Online is still writing some of the buzz and vogue. I think that so. came around from the movies. Oh, definitely. Def you have the to residue that that's still so fresh in our minds. Yeah, it was only four years ago, which really isn't that long. Yeah, anymore in the video game era. Oh yeah, totally. Well, so anyway, to summarize this segment, <laughs> I guess I I will try to. I will crudely try to come back around to my main point, which <laughs> was, as usual, I wandered away from as as I tend to do. But I think my point was that statistics, you know, they're only part of the story. You need you need all of the pieces to draw a conclusion. And so when people concluded that the end of the world had come for World of Warcraft because the May numbers were were a de decline, then you see the June numbers off the same report, which is the uh, warcraftrealms.com. I'm doing slash temp slash activity dot htm, for instance. And when you go there and you look, the June numbers are back up. And I think, you know, a lot of it is just because of the summer. I, I haven't looked at all the previous month's trends to see it, but it could be that. It could be people a little bit tired. It could be that people have switched over to Lord of the Rings Online and are switching back as I've prophesized. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's hard to say, but uh, in, in any case, it'll just be interesting to see who can stay on top and who's going to emerge as our next big uh, big game. Definitely. And now, after a long story journey, we have reached the final segment of our podcast. 
Yes, after the uh, <laughs> relentless ramblings of my <laughs> both of us previous segments, <laughs> both uh, of us have been relentlessly rambling. And if you've made it this far, we thank you for your dedication or your ability to just tune us out yes. <laughs> and let us play in the background. Hopefully, you're driving or working out or mowing the lawn or something. That... One of the longest commutes ever. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe yeah. you're driving cross country. Yes, it could be. <laughs> and, and next time, what we'll do is we'll. We'll add in some special things depending on your geographical area <laughs> to kind of tell you what some of the sites are and 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 what you're seeing. <laughs> you know, it's miraculous. This is our first episode we've done without any of our previous segments. Yeah, this is like totally. It's all off the cuff. Uncharted water, and we don't have Jason who. <laughs> Previously, I would have blamed for causing conversations to be long-running. But, <laughs> but we've more than made up for that in his absence. And we have. He He'd will be, be proud. He will be proud slash horrified slash angered. <laughs> uh, so the last thing that we're going to talk about is multiboxing. Yeah. Um, which multiboxing. Is, which is very odd. So it's, it's the phenomenon by which people play um, MMO games on more than one computer. Uh, at the, the same time. At the same time. Um, one term is dual boxing. That's where you play two different characters. Um, and and it's it could be a virtual dual box setup where instead of two computers, you're running one computer, but two instances of the game on the same computer. Yeah. Um, some people have taken it to a higher level where they might run five full characters, ably, able to do like a full World of Warcraft um, basic instance. So if you're able to actually do an entire instance by yourself running five characters simultaneously on you know x number of actual hardware devices usually they'll have either you know five full monitors or they'll have a, a advanced kvm system where they're able to maybe have one monitor circling through the other four characters and showing their primary character uh, they'll have you know macros that they're firing off and special software that allows the use of one keyboard to trigger multiple spell effects or uh attacks on the different characters in the in the instance with them i mean if you're able to run all that you should get some kind of award i mean <laughs> yeah. that's first off you know you're paying for you know five subscriptions and you're 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 running you know all this extra horsepower for computers you're you're juggling all these characters you're you know if something goes wrong i'd imagine you could wipe in there and then you have to bring them all back to the starting point oh um, geez i couldn't you know, even imagine and i consider the five to be fairly extreme there's a there's a post on one of the websites which i'll put in some kind of show notes for this where it shows a guy who claims that he and his girlfriend each run 23 characters. I'm not sure why 23. I don't know. You know, I know there's like a 25-man raid, so why would you go too short? I mean, if you've already invested in 23 each, why not just take it to the next level? But, um, you know, go with the 25. But, you know, when you get into that, I mean, I did some quick math on the numbers that this guy claimed, and if you took 23 uh, for each of them, users, so 46, 46 accounts... Uh -huh. Times say fifteen dollars a month, times a, twelve months for a year. That's eight thousand four hundred sixty dollars, not counting the cost of the software itself. Mm -hmm. You know, both you'd need to get both Warcraft and the Burning Crusade if you're gonna go all the way to seventy. So that's <laughs> extra money. Then there's power. Then there's the actual cost of all the hardware to do it. I think it's got to be a hoax. You know, some kind of 
yeah. interesting use of Photoshop or what have you. But if somebody actually did do it, then wow, they must have very lucrative jobs to be able to afford that kind of hobby. I mean, yeah, to have honed their game playing skill that much. I can't even imagine it. I just, I can't, I can't, I can't even really personally fathom the dual box thing. I mean, even that seems like it would just be a yeah, lot of work. That's kind of my gut feeling. It's, it's like, when do you get to the point if you're playing WoW every day? I can understand you saying, I'm kind of bored. I think I want to try something else. I need an expansion pack. I want to play a different game. But when do you say, one character isn't enough. I need yeah. to be doing this twice over. I need. I At need... what point does that revelation come to your mind yeah. that you need to multitask to the extreme? I mean, I've I've thought about it in soloing before, where I've thought, man, I wish I had a healer, you know, that was healing me while yeah. I'm doing all this. But then I thought, well, you know, you'd have to kind of level them up at the same time to really benefit. Well, God, you know, just having to go through both all the quests, or maybe you just grind. I don't know. Maybe you don't worry about going to the right um, NPC, getting the quest twice, going and doing the thing for the quest to satisfy <laughs> it, then coming back, then talking to the NPC again twice to go to the next level of your quest <laughs> progression or or to move on to the next NPC for the next quest. It's like, it's more than twice the work to me. It's It's like, you know... I think the guys that play StarCraft are masters of micromanagement because of, you know, they call it micro. It's like, how many different orders can I give these units at the same time in this limited amount of time? And yeah. there's, you know, logging software that actually figures out how many um, orders or micro micromanagement steps they can take per minute or whatever. And, you know, some of the Korean guys, it's off the scale. And, and if you've ever seen um, footage of them, when they drag the little boxes to group stuff, it just flicks on the screen. It's it's not even a drag. It's like they know where they're going to click the start of the mouse and where they're going to click the end, and it's incredible. Though That, to me, is like a skill to hone for micromanagement, but the dual boxing just seems so frustrating. And then if you lose a character, and then so what's the other one do? You have to sit there while you bring the other one back to your corpse? I, I just, it's it's just, it's something that kind of blows my mind as a, as a, um, an undertaking. I, 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 I usually, when I play these games and I read these articles, I see something and I go, yeah, I could try that. That'd be kind of interesting. But this one, I just hit this wall where I'm like, wow, that would be really hard. I think there'd have to be bots involved in some level. And and I and I did some research and um, Wild Glider, which is the, the program that people used for full, full-on bots, it, at some point in its history, it used to have a function where you could link um, a WoW Glider controlled account to your account, and it would it would actually with the bot it would just kind of keep you alive, or it would it would attack you know whatever you flagged as the target and stuff like that. Now that I could see doing, you know, get like four more of those puppies lined up, you know, and 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 for at least most of the battle, you know, you're just kind of on autopilot, like you have this whole support group with you, and you're just like charging in and attacking whatever it is. That I could almost see, but the but the you know having to make having to and I, I read up on it and there's like all these different little software programs you need to really pull this off effectively to where you hit like the three key and it causes a whole bunch of different things to happen for different characters you know like for maybe your tank it's a sunder but for your um, warlock it's a dot and for your say your healer it's it's something else altogether you know um, 
that kind of thing is 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 kind of how they do it, which seems just very, very complicated. It's, it, I guess you just would really have to be ready for the next level. And then what's really blowing my mind is this one guy claims, um, again I'll put this in the show notes, but there's a guy, oh what's where is, what is it? Well, there's a guy who he he basically does PVP, he does the battlegrounds with a five-man team, and and so that's got to be kind of interesting. I mean, if you if you were out there on the battlegrounds and you saw yeah. this like phalanx of uh, <laughs> priests coming at you, you know? <laughs> in unison, yeah, in unison, they're all like they all cast like the same thing and uh, and light you up, or maybe mages, you know, maybe they would they would hit you with some kind of terrible coordinated attack and you'd be you know done. But I wonder how quickly that system breaks down once one of those characters falls. That's what I wonder. Like, yeah, once one breaks. And they're going to die. I mean, in PvP, oh, no yeah. matter what you do, you're going to constantly have people respawning at the graveyard. How sophisticated would your system have to be to get those people back into the battlefield while the rest are still, play, you know, continuing on? I mean, I feel, I just, I guess because of a background of being a, like a Unix admin, I would, I want to script everything. So I would always yeah. lead towards some kind of a bot or AI to do it. But these people are actually somehow man- managing to micromanage a lot of this stuff legitimately without violating the EULA, and and that's another interesting thing is I I couldn't find anything. I mean I I it didn't really seem to discourage this too much, you know, which is interesting because you know there's like zero tolerance for botting, um, zero tolerance for the spam stuff. But this is like somebody with you know five user accounts or two user accounts, basically playing the game. You know, in some cases, with with the dual boxing on a single system, they they're actually logging in twice, and playing you know with two different accounts. So I guess as far as as the game, whatever game they're playing, you know, we're we're talking it from a WoW context because that's what most of these posts are. I guess from their point of view, that'd be kind of nice to have you know double, double the, the subscription money. or five yeah. times the. But it is kind of interesting that there's no really restrictions on it and i think if if i was in a battleground and i was some guy was playing five characters at once i'd be pretty angry about it i wouldn't want to be you know even if he had some gee whiz neato strategy for you know annihilating somebody um with some kind of weird stun lock thing or just a all-out you know nuke kind of strategy I still think it would cheapen the experience, you know. I think that's a big part of it is all about everybody coordinating and and spreading out. And I don't see how you could spread out with. I think these five would be wedged pretty tightly together. I mean, they kind of have to be. So it's, oh yeah, it's pretty interesting um, just to kind of take it all in. The perhaps the most interesting thing was this guy Sam. Who I'll definitely put the link up to this. <laughs> who's into multi-boxing since the EverQuest days, but he's also really interesting in in getting hookers um, <laughs> <laughs> to hold up signs, um, expounding on his sexual prowess. That's the other multi-boxing. And he's very f- yeah yeah that's the other one. <laughs> Whole new definition. It's really kind of fascinating. I mean, he's he's really into this multi-boxing. He's been very supportive on the forums. And yet, there's this other side to this guy where you're just like, whoa. He's wearing fuzzy underwear and has a plywood swing. Yes, above his <laughs> Self-constructed bed. over his bed. I think he was the guy credited with making, like, surrounding himself with screens, um, monitors for EverQuest or something like that, where he had something oh, going he? on each one. I think that's the same guy, Sam. Sam is the guy, yeah. 
Uh, it's a pretty, it's a pretty interesting thing. Uh, Viewer discretion advised. Be, yeah, not safe for work. Maybe I shouldn't put that up anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> might be, might might not be the best thing. I I don't know. It's it's a it's a phenomenon that that one. But um, yeah, I, I just I just thought it was a topic that would be kind of interest. I'd be interested in bringing up and seeing what your thoughts were on it. You know. Yeah. Uh, I I personally don't think it's for me. Um, any any kind of issues with the legality of it as far well not legality but does it break the game code you know it doesn't seem like it's frowned upon from that point of view because god knows don't want to do anything to violate the user uh, license agreement uh, yes <laughs> <laughs> um but but do you think it do you think it cheapens the um the experience for those who who are you know, in the game with these people, only capable of playing one character at a time. I know, I know. Yeah, th- those of us who are not superhuman, who are not the. I mean, if the Generation X generation was the first to exhibit the ADD or ADHD signs or whatever of needing constant, you know, input from everything and multitasking and all that, then the next generation after that's supposed to be even worse than. What, where are th- what are these people? Are they like harbingers of a of a new generation of humankind that? That can't do anything single threaded. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good question. I, mean, I don't think there's a better way to put it either. It's yeah. I mean, I I I am just I'm just kind of baffled by it. I uh, I don't know. I I think the the funny thing is when when you see the um, perhaps mocked up pictures of this couple that allegedly does forty man raids by themselves or could <laughs> with their their twenty three each accounts. And they've basically got this um, environment, which looks like it's like two giant lazy boys with three monitors for each. And then in the middle, this is the best part, <laughs> in the middle, there's like a TV. So like even managing 20-some characters at a time, you know, and in, in, in trying to do like the hardest thing in World of Warcraft, which is like a 40-man raid or whatever... Even that's not enough. They still need to be watching TV. <laughs> some kind Keep of, up with their favorite shows. Yeah, they've got. They're probably watching some kind of DVD, and they probably have like picture in picture going. I bet. I bet <laughs> they can't even commit to just that being like a single threaded operation. They probably, and they're probably jamming out to some kind of music on their iPods while they do it. <laughs> I wouldn't. I wouldn't put that past them. And I bet of that music that they're listening to, they probably overlaid like three different podcasts that they're keeping on top of at the same time too, where they like merge the MP3s within like maybe two different kinds of soundtracks. I bet you. Like, oh yeah. I mean, if you're gonna be incredibly, utterly insane, you might as well not do it half-assed. You know. And I'm just trying to think what they could also be doing, because they've got their their hands are busy and they probably have headsets on to communicate with each other because they couldn't just turn to each other because that would take them away from their precious monitor so that's both hands their heads their ears their eyes everything that still leaves their feet and we don't know what they're doing with those because <laughs> you know there's still room for something else maybe they're playing like music with those like foot pedal things and <laughs> the floor piano the floor yeah like the you know the yeah they, they could be doing they could be writing sonatas <laughs> <laughs> with like two-point harmony because there's only two of them and, and stuff. <laughs> or, or maybe well they have one foot each so they could be possibly playing like a a bass line on one and like the melody on the other and if you have two of those it could be it could be four part harmony of sorts so i i challenge anyone who's a multi boxer to realize the ridiculous level of multitasking that i just tried to come up with 
<laughs> and oh, and while they do it, they have to be while they're doing all of that. They have to be thinking about a Simpsons episode or something too. <laughs> like they have quoting to be going, it. quoting it. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's right. I think I think I'd like to see a film of this of some some kind from somebody. I think I think I think we've raised the bar. I think yeah. multiboxing is not enough. They need to do more. Yeah, that's it's just too limited. Yeah. It's not but, impressive uh, anymore. We've that's, seen it. It's been done. It's been done. Yeah, twenty twenty each, twenty three each. That's nothing. You need to be writing a sonata, watching some watching some picture in picture cable, <laughs> um, you know, talking to each other and listening to three podcasts all at the same time with <laughs> two different soundtracks. That's the bar. Yeah. Oh, and, and ordering pizza. Yeah. While you're at it. And successfully completing your raid. And oh, I forgot about that part. Yeah. <laughs> And if one person dies, but the whole thing goes down like a house of cards. <laughs> you lose one tune, and it's, it's over. all over. Yeah, I think that's probably how it goes. Now, if you successfully beat the raid, then you have to level all the characters up at the same time. Yeah, if one gets out of order, they probably have to start from scratch. <laughs> yeah. Be bad. Yeah, it could be really bad. Well, <laughs> cool. Well, that's um, that's my um, uh, interesting vision of of. Uh, of multi-boxing taking true multi-boxing true multi-boxing unless you're <laughs> Sam and then it's something entirely different <laughs> but uh hope, hope you enjoyed that segment a bit and uh thank you guys so much for downloading the episode and listening and if you made it this far yeah you're you're just as you're just as stalwart as those multi-boxers yeah, we talked about go, go listen to episode one because it's even longer <laughs> and next week we'll hopefully have the return of Jason. Oh, we will. Yeah. And we may retreat back to our more structured show f- f- show format structure format. Yeah, format. I think I was trying to combine format and structure into the same word. Yeah. Multi multi wording. <laughs> See, I'm not cut out for multi boxing. Yeah, whatsoever. no. <laughs> I've obviously already failed. failed. I can't say two words at the Again, same time. Again, your failure is complete. <laughs> Twice in one show. That's Twice. kind of multitasking. That's pretty good. Yeah, that's pretty good. <laughs> well, thanks again, everybody. Yeah, we'll and if you, you have any time. questions or comments, email oh, us yeah. at mail at channelmassive.com and keep an eye on our blogs. Yeah, um, channelmassive.com, the website coming to a browser near you. <laughs> thanks again. Good night. Thanks for listening. Channel Massive is an IGL production.